Welcome to Volcano Watch. This is a weekly podcast to update you on the volcanic activity of the week. I'm one of your hosts, Corinne Jorgensen. And I'm your other host, Alessandro Muso. We are PhD students at the University of Geneva. We study volcanoes and we're here to give you all the hot volcano news. First, a quick update on the volcanic activity of the past week. And then the focus of the day, or of the week, and this week it's going to be Kilauea. So, let's go to it, It's October 11th at the time of recording, and here are your quick updates. All right. We'll start with the Americas this week. We saw eruption and plumes from Nevado de Cian, uh, Reventador, Sengay, Nevado de Ruiz, uh, Fuego, and Semispochnoy. Semencaya had a relatively quiet this week, where most of the week the plume was actually undetectable due to clouds. But on October 10th, we saw a plume of 7.3 that was recorded. But that was not enough, and... Popocatepetl in Mexico reigns supreme this week with the tallest flume. Popocatepetl this week had volcanic activity, which resulted in a 7.6 kilometer ash plume. Haha, <laughs> good job, Popo. <laughs> so, in Europe this week, we've seen a bit of extra activity from Stromboli in Italy on October the 7th, where a pyroclastic flow on the Shara del Fuoco reached the sea. Okay, a little bit of a longer report on La Palma and the Canary Islands in Spain, because, you know, Things have been happening. So last week, the crater has continued to grow during the week. On Wednesday, the lava flow picked up significantly. And also the ash caused the airport to close on Thursday, which actually meant Alessandro and I had to take a ferry last week to get off the island. Yeah, a long way back. Mid-day on Thursday, there was a large earthquake that happened at about 35 kilometers depth, and it was a 4.3 magnitude earthquake. This might be a little bit concerning because it might mean that there's more magma moving into the plumbing system, which could mean the eruption's going to last a little bit longer. On Friday the 8th, the eruption continued to grow stronger. Seismic activities increased, uh, just continued to increase late into the week. And there was also a big increase in the noise that was coming from the volcano, uh, which was reported to be quite extreme. But that has calmed down, thankfully, today. Volcanodiscovery.com, they think that potentially this increase in noise might be related to an enlargement of the eruption conduits, potentially. Lava flow-wise, the main lava flow has been diverted into a new branch, unfortunately, causing further destruction um, to the region, which is not good. Uh, the lava has also been moving really quite incredibly fast, between 500 and 700 meters per hour, which for lava is, is quite fast. And there are some concerns that'll deviate into the town of La Laguna. So fingers crossed things slow down there, but we'll keep our eyes peeled. There has been some seismic swarm near the Kailir mountain, which is just north of the current eruptive vent of the uh, Fagradasfial eruption. And this uh, featured uh, 18 earthquakes above 3 of magnitude, so pretty strong. There was a fairly quiet week from Asia this week in terms of plumes. Uh, we saw some things from Kadavar in New Guinea, Samuru, Ibu, Sakurajima, Swanozajima, Lewiltolo, and Shivalik uh, in Kamchatka. So, lastly, in Africa, near Agongo, uh, in the DRC, um, we, we see a lava lake that is still active and apparently growing. So that's it for this week's quick updates. Um, thanks to the sources, VolcanoDiscovery.com, the Icelandic Meteorological Office, and the Smithsonian Global Volcanism Program. So now, as usual, it's time for the focus. Let's get to it. 
So, the focus this week is gonna be about Kilauea. As you probably already know, it's an active volcano situated in Hawaii, a group of volcanic island located in the Pacific Ocean at about 3,200 kilometers far from the US mainland. So we don't normally talk a ton about Kilauea, uh, which is not because it's not a cool volcano, uh, but kind of like Stromboli, it's pretty active most of the time and Therefore, we really only report when it's doing new and quite different things. So in May, we reported the end of the eruptive activity with the lake completely crusted and no sign of imminent reactivation of the system. But then afterwards, the area remained seismically active, but no changes at the lake surface had been detected. But then we had some warning signs in August where there was a pretty intense earthquake swarm coupled with some changes in ground deformation, which alerted the Hawaiian Volcano Observatory, or HVO, about a new magma injection. And for that reason, the alert level was raised to orange at that time. In the time span uh, between the 19th of August and the 1st of September, the caldera summit has been uplifted by about 18 centimeters. Then, at the end of the month, on the 29th of September, a glow was detected in the summit uh, crater, and new fissures start to open near the center of the lava lake, producing small lava fountains. Then another vent opened near the western wall of the crater. One thing was pretty sure at that moment. The activity had been renewed at Kilauea and the alert level rose to red. The lava lake with the crusted surface was about 229 meters deep before the renewed activity. But on October 1st, only after a few days of activity, the lake level rose again by about 24 meters. The activity at that time consisted in mainly multiple fountains developing from several vents within the lake filling the crater. The activity is still continuing now. Uh, according to the USGS last update, the fountaining activity is now focused on a single vent in the western wall of the Halema Umau crater, where a sputter cone is forming. Indeed, the elevation on this side of the lake is 37 meters higher since September 29th. The height of the fountains normally reach about 15 meters, uh, with peaks of about 60 meters reached on October 4th. The alert level is now back to orange, um, and underlined this is not a particularly dangerous nature of the current activity. And also it's, you know, pretty far away from uh, the population, unlike some fire fountains we've seen recently. <laughs> and also 15 meters, just compared to Mamaetna. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. pretty much, yeah. <laughs> 1,000 times smaller. Okay, so after this quick recap, it is time to know this volcano not only from a volcanological point of view, but as sometimes we like to do from a mythological point of view. Yeah, time for another volcano myth. So the myth is about the goddess Pele which arrived on Hawaii long ago with their younger sister, Hihiaka. Pele decided to settle on the inside of the Kilauea crater. For that reason, the crater also took the name of Pele, or the Pit of Pele. So Pele decided to send her sister in search of her love, Lohihau. In return, if her sister succeeded in her mission, Pele would spare her sister Hihiaka forest from its lava and fire. As we've learned from some of the other volcano myths, they're normally not uh, the most jolliest things. And don't worry, the myth of Kilauea uh, won't let us down in this respect either. <laughs> so I'm worried it's not going to, Corinne. Indeed, the sister managed to find Loihau, but she took but she took a bit of lot of time. <laughs> many weeks and Pele was tired of waiting so she 
just burn down Harsisa forest. Yeah, this makes sense. I mean, if you're technically the goddess who is called the earth-eating woman, you gotta do some earth-eating, especially if your sister doesn't do a good job of finding your boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, very reasonable. But then Hiyaka apparently got a little upset by this and decided to say Yao as revenge. I don't have to say to you that Pele got jealous seeing them together, right, Karine? <laughs> So Pele opted for a calm and sober reaction. She simply killed Loi Hao with a huge eruption. And the sisters spent several weeks looking for Loi Hao's body. And in the search, she threw the rocks that Pele sent just into the hair. Yeah, this is a very reasonable reaction, I think, personally. Um, so a very good point underlined by David Bresson on Forbes at is that sometimes uh, these myths can can help us to reconstruct historical events, um, of course, if they're accompanied by other evidence. And indeed, there are some geomythology reconstructions from this myth. So, geomythology is the study area which tries to link myths and oral stories or legends to geological features, trying to reconstruct what actually happened and how these features actually formed. So, it's possible that this particular myth that we were just discussing might have started with the formation of the Kilauea caldera dated to 1470 to 1500. In this there was the same years of a large lava flow that was also produced and uh, which completely covered the north slope of the volcano. So the Hihaka forest destruction might be in that case related to the vegetation burned by this huge lava flow. As reported and meticulously summarized in David's article for Forbes, the fact that the myth talks about the forest strongly suggests that a certain time passed between this eruption and the previous one, allowing for vegetation to grow. A fact that coincides with the geological reconstruction of the eruptive history of the area. Concerning the end of the myth, where Hihaka throws rocks into the air looking for the Lohiao corpse, might describe a particularly explosive eruption. Different explosive eruptions have been recognized in this area, and one of those has been dated around the 1500. Mm. Interesting. Uh, it is takeable with the myth, so who knows? Oh, I like this. I like this mixing geology and myths. I think it's such a beautiful thing. We should do more myths, Alessandra. I do agree, Gorin. What what do our listeners think about it? <laughs> so let us know on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, what do you think about these myths? You can also email us. We have an email, volcanowatchpodcast at gmail.com, which we will start checking more regularly. But also, if you you know any myths that you want us to talk about, or you are an expert in volcano myths, or know an expert on volcano myths who wants to chat about myths with us, we would absolutely love that. That would be super cool. So, unfortunately, that's it for today. So, thanks to our sources, VolcanoDiscovery.com, the Smithsonian Global Volcanism Project, the USGS and Forbes. Thanks for spending some time with us and listening. So, see you next week. Bye.